Hey everyone, Preston Keller here. Welcome to the Rush Student Ministry Podcast. We're so glad that you've stopped by and it's our endeavor to equip youth pastors and youth workers to become the leaders that God has called them to be and to impact this generation of youth and young adults. We believe in you, youth leader, and we love you so much that we have a couple of epic guests on this very episode just for you. Terry and Melanie Schock from Brazil, Indiana, they joined us for our third and final Youth Leader Zoom in May of 2020. And this episode is part one of that conversation. I don't use the word professional or pro lightly, but these two are pros in the realm of leadership. Terry and Melanie Schock have two incredible kids, Kendra and Brayden, who are great friends of Kristen, my sister, and I. We love their family so much. They lead Kingdom Quest Ministries, uh, Leadership Development International, and they travel all over the world preaching and teaching leadership sessions with church leadership teams and missionaries and much more. And some really exciting news coming up. They've got some podcasts Yes, podcasts, plural, of their own that, that that will become available soon. That's going to be really, really awesome. You can check out all that the shocks are up to and upcoming news like that at kqministries.net. Hey, in part one of our time with the shocks, we're, we were able to cover a few topics such as personal God connection divine order, entertaining versus equipping, and much more. You know what? Let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, I feel like I have to start here, and that is the subject of personal God connection. Personal God connection. When we speak of God connection, we are speaking of prayer, personal prayer and the word, prayer and and the word. Now, we, two, two things, two things. Number one, we must be connected to God individually. And I'm not talking about some, some 10 minute, you know, personal morning devotion a quiet time or, you know, a, a quick, uh, reading a chapter, you know, I got to read a chapter or got to listen to a chapter. And, and then I, and then I, and then here it is. I got my Bible reading in, or I got my prayer in, uh, that that's ritual. That's not relationship. And so when we're talking about God connection, We as leaders, absolutely no excuses, must be connected to God every day and and multiple times a day. Um, Praying without ceasing means that we're we're never far from that. So so God connection is, is vital, and we're not just two old people saying, okay, pray and read your Bible. Well, let's break this down a little bit, little bit more. We are in spiritual 
warfare. Now, people that don't believe in that, and there are apostolics that do not believe in that, and that, you know, that's that's their opinion. I don't agree with them in any way, but that that would be their opinion. Um, we are not going to do this under our own power. We're not even going to be saved ourselves under our own power. We can't save ourselves. It's, it's going to take being connected to God every day through, through prayer and, and the word. And so we could spend a lot of time on that, and Melanie may, may have a little bit more to add to that. But that, that's the first thing. Here is the big one as far as I'm concerned. It's us being connected to God, and then it's the young people that we lead being individually connected to God. Because I have a question. What in the world do you think you're going to do in their life if they're not connected to God? The, the enemy wants us to think that we that we can lead dead people and one reason why we're so worn out is we're treating dead people like they're alive and it'll wear you out to prop up corpses and so we have these people that are not even connected to god i'm not talking about they have to you know, be able to give weekly tongues interpretation and prophesy. However, I do believe that young people can do that. So let me make that very clear. They need to be taught that. They, obviously, they, they have to be taught to, to do that. One, when Kendra was leading a, uh, a group of junior hires, uh, she, she, she taught them. She led them in that. And, and there was one one night in junior high that one of the junior hires gave a message in tongues and another junior hire interpreted it. So, so I, I mean, I definitely believe in all of that, but we have to be convinced that if they, if they are not connected to God personally, we cannot help them except help them to get connected to God personally. Now, how you go about that, that's, that's, the, that's where the genius comes in of, of what God will speak to you and how you'll break it down and how you'll help them. But, you know, you've got to be convinced that, that your job is to connect these young people in a personal relationship with God. And you have to break that down and make it as practical as can be. I remember uh, whenever I first started having youth prayer meetings, uh, I sat them down in a circle. And, and I said, don't close your eyes. Keep your eyes open. And I stepped them through an, an apps prayer uh, back in the 1600s whenever I was the youth pastor. An apps prayer of you know adoration, confession, thanksgiving, uh, you know, supplication and submission. I had two S's on the end of that ax. But, but what I did was I would have them talk it, and then, but not confession. You do not have them confess out loud. We, you know, you do, no, 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 you, confession is silently. But the others, I had them, you know, just broke it down. Why? Because 
we we have to practically teach them how to be connected to God. Uh, Melanie, some God connection thoughts. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into the eat this book uh, type presentation thing that I normally do when I talk about this because that's that's different. But kind of approaching it from the what I wish I would have known um, aspect. Uh, when I was younger. I prayed and I read my Bible, but I did not know really how to pray nor how to read my Bible. I did it because I was supposed to do it. Um, you cannot teach young people or lead young people into an area that you have never been or that you don't know how to go to. And so one thing that happened to me, and it actually, actually one of the most revelatory things that has happened in my life has happened basically re uh, reasonably recently where um, a missionary has, has really, a missionary that is led by the spirit and that is very sensitive spiritually and, and um, talks to God. You know, I was asking him, how do you hear from God? How does he talk to you? What, how do you do that? And he said, and I have it with me right now. He said, I have a notebook. And um, he said, I have tons of these notebooks. And he said, when I'm in prayer, I write down every question that I have for God. Not question of why, why, why this, why that. Questions of, Lord, um, what do you want me to say to the person at lunch today? Lord, what kind of activity should I open the Zoom call with? And I'll just pull that one out of thin air. Every single thing. Lord, what do I do? Lord, I have this going on, going on in my life. What do I do about it? He said, and then I sit there and I wait with my pen in my hand until the Lord answers me. He said, and many times it will be a scripture. He'll bring a scripture to my mind and I'll write it down. He said, many times he'll say to me, I told you that last year. You go back and read what you wrote there last year because that's your answer. I told you that last year. And he said, this has actually happened to me now since I've been doing this. There was a time I was asking God um, to give me direction on something. And I started writing. And I wrote, I wrote down the answer before my brain comprehended it. Does that make sense? <laughs> excuse me I wrote and then when I got finished I read what I wrote and I thought oh my word wow and that is the answer that's amazing I wish I would have known that because whenever they leave your youth group 20 years after they leave your, your youth group whenever they've either made bad choices are good choices. Really the only thing that is going to stay with them about the time, about that time that they were in your youth group was, were they loved? And did you teach them how to touch God? Those are about the only two things that's going to stay with them. All of the lessons you teach, all of those things are good. All of the illustrated sermons that you do, they're so amazing. They're gonna forget most of those. But did they, did they feel loved? And did you teach them how to touch God? 
and you cannot teach them how to touch God unless you know how to touch God. And I just gave you this notebook thing and writing things down and asking God questions just simply because that's been one of the latest layers in my own personal life of prayer, of God talking to me. And oh my goodness, is he giving me some stuff? Oh, is he giving me some stuff? Not stuff to say, not stuff to write, not stuff to teach. He's giving me stuff for in here that is, how can I even say it? He's giving me my own dose of plant food, as it were. You cannot convey that to young people unless you have done it, felt it, experienced it. And a perfunctory, good morning, Lord. Hello, Lord, it's noon. Thank you for my food. Good night, Lord. Thanks for the day. Those things don't cut it. Neither does the emotion of praying with people. And I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But that's not what they're going to remember either. They're going to remember the times when they've hit the wall and they don't know what to do. And you've taught them how to touch God. So you have to, in order to teach it, you have to know it yourself. Uh, one more thing I would like to say to that. I had, as a female, youth pastor's wife for all those years. And then, of course, it just bled over because we went well, it overlapped, everything overlapped for so many years. And so the people that come to you for answers to their questions, I wish I would have known the word well enough to have answered every single question from the word. And you say, well, now it's great and good, but the word doesn't answer every question. You know, it really does. Conceptually with a principle, it really does. And I think probably a lot of the time is, is the reason we don't think it does is because we don't know the word well enough. But just about every time, there is an example in there of somebody who went through something with the same principle. There's a direct uh, directive in there for someone going through it. And just because it doesn't line up with society's way of thinking and with our culture, many times we dismiss it and say, well, it's not in there, it's in there because the word supersedes our culture every single time. And whenever you, whenever you give young people the concept that anything that they get apart from the word is a supplement, but if they can't back it up with the word, it doesn't matter. I wish that I would have been more well-versed in the book. I feel that I could have guided people a lot more um, intentionally. Uh, with, you, with you saying that, um, please remember this, defined by the word, defined by the word. Uh, if you're taking notes, please write that down. Because you, you are wanting to be defined by the word and you're wanting them to understand that in every stage of their life, they must be defined by the word. Here is, here is something that you should be known for saying to young people. 
when they have when they have questions. What does the word say about it? What does the word say about it? You say, my goodness, you you, you guys are old. You know, um, I've I've got a few years behind me, and unfortunately, I've got some wasted ones. And and I've I've got some wasted years in leadership. To, to where I, I was not focused enough on this. You you talked about, Melanie, you talked about when it's all said and done, being able to, you know, help them teach uh, to touch God, know how to touch God. Okay, here's, please understand this about your leadership. They are never going to be fully matured while you're leading them. You're, you are in a seasonal ministry, and, and if you don't understand that, that you are coming alongside them in some very uncertain times in their life when they're trying to figure out what's up and what's down, and, and you're imparting principles, that's, that's what you're doing. You are not trying to become their God. You're not trying to become, you know, their, their answer to everything. Uh, you know, don't let them make you a God. Don't let them worship you. There is no human that needs to allow worship. Humans are not to be worshiped. They can appreciate you and all this, you know, yes, great, fantastic. But, but you've, you must always be pointing them to, to God, uh, uh, pointing them to, to higher authorities, and, and then being, being there for them. But you've got to understand they do not grow up in junior high. They do not grow up in high school. And what, what we need is, is we need a 12-year-old to be being the best 12-year-old they can be, and we don't need to try to make them 14. And the 15-year-olds, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not trying to make teenagers uh, 20 agers. We're, we're not trying to get them to blow through their junior high years while they're still in junior high. I hope, I hope this makes sense. Uh, you, you have to embrace the reality of the ministry focus that, that you are a part of. Do you have anything else to add to that before we move? Mm, uh, I've got something, but I don't know where it'll fit. So you keep going and I'll just have to interrupt later. Okay. I want, us to, I want us to talk briefly and we could get strung out on this, but we're not because we, we've got a lot of ground to cover. But I want to talk about divine order. Divine order. Um, I'm just asking you to study that in Scripture. And I'm asking you to, to remember that God is a God of order and the enemy is about chaos. And so any way that you can help young people bring order to their lives, uh, you know, we know that, that that the head of you know the head of man is God, the head of, of woman is man, and uh, you know I, I know in this day and time you start talking about 
man is head of woman and in the day that we're living in that's not politically correct and and all that junk but what what we understand is is that divine order abuses no one divine order abuses no one divine order does not abuse women divine order places women in a safe place where they can become everything God intends them to be. And, and, our, and many of our young people do not come from homes where, where divine order is, uh, is practiced. And so divine order is, is extremely important. Do you have anything to add to that? Okay. All right. <laughs> No, no. Okay. no. Okay. I'm looking at his notes, so sorry about that. Go ahead. Okay, let's talk about entertaining versus equipping. Entertaining versus equipping. I had, I had, I was doing, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever seen one of Matt Woodward's traffic talks, uh, where he, he gets a, a minister and drives around and interviews him. I was able to to be on one of his traffic talks, and he asked me this question. He said, "You know how much, uh, you know how much soccer or how much sports or or you know how much of this um, should we do? What is a good what is a good balance?" And I said, "I said enough, enough to where they they realize that you're somebody that likes to have fun." and you're interested in them having fun, uh, you use that to buy influence. That's the place that that, that plays. We, we, we have to be equippers. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that you have to have boring new services and all that. No, I'm not saying that at all. You're, everything that we do has, has to be to set them up to be equipped, to break down walls to be equipped, but you are an equipper. Uh, you, we equip for life, not just the campus. Don't just think if they're, if they're showing up for you service, if they have a good attitude at you service, if they're dressing the way they're supposed to dress, if they worship when you're singing, if they cry at the altar then then check they're there they could be doing all of that and be absolute hellions at home and so what what we what we must do is we must equip for life and not just the the campus we're we have to be as concerned about how they are at home as we are how they are in you service we have to be as concerned and what kind of a student they are, than than what they are, you know, on our church campus. We must be equippers for for life, and not not just entertainers. Do do fun things, have excite have excitement, absolutely. But just just know where it fits. What do you have to add? To that? Oh, just the, just a thought I had. And Andrew's on here tonight, and I don't know, Crystal may be on here as well. Uh, his wife. And if any of you know Andrew and Crystal Fisher, they're the youth pastors here. Crystal uh, teaches Bible studies to the girls. They have three small children. 
and she does not get babysitters whenever it's time to teach. She brings them with her because she says she wants these girls to know that life is life and parenting is hard and that you work for God while you're parenting and that you, you do things for God, you do your ministry, you fulfill your calling while you're parenting. And it's not always, oh, you know, the, the glamour, the somebody's keeping my kids and I can concentrate and I can, no, it's not that. This is life and this is the way it's done. Uh, that's one way that I think that we can equip them for life is by maybe maybe taking away some of the perfection that we try to uh, attain with our events and with our ministries and with our this and with our that and make it more organic and make it more reality and make it more real <coughs> life with our families, especially those of you who are married with young children, show them. I mean, this is, this isn't, this isn't easy. This is, this is hard, but this is how it is when you live life from the word. It's okay. And so I think that that's a good example of equipping for life. That's, you know, you, you, God, David Bernard says, God plays three-dimensional chess. Don't ever just teach a lesson with one, with one point or one dimension or one aspect. Please try to get as many dimensions to every lesson and every event, every sermon every service everything you do please try to get as many dimensions in there teaching dimensions as possible yeah that's good that's very good um to get practical with this equipping for life um a young person comes up to you and and they're they're moved in the spirit and you know they're asking you to speak into their life or what can I do to, to be better? Um, it's that teachable moment. You're always watching for a teachable moment. I found out that those usually happened whenever I was sitting on a bus with a busload of kids on a long trip where, you know, a kid might plop down in the seat beside me and say, Hey, Pastor Terry, uh, let me ask you about this. Okay, anytime something like that happens or at church or they, they, they pull you aside, whatever, those, those teachable moments. Um, you know, this is when we, this, these are the times that we equip for life. So, for example, a, a young person wants to know how they can be used by God. Well, you talk to them about when your parents talk to you, do you huff and puff? Uh, you know, do you roll your eyes? Uh, do you do you storm off? Do you slam doors? Um, I'm talking about equipping for life. When, whenever I was talking to children's ministry people about equipping for life, I tell them when when, when you have a a uh, contest. And you give them so many points for bringing their Bible and so many points for a verse. Give them so many points for cleaning up their room or, or so many points for picking up their toys every day or, or hanging up their clothes. Let's, let's break down the barrier between the, the church campus and the home. The, the greatest thing, one of the greatest things that could be said of you by a parent, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, because the parents are not your enemies. Uh, I've heard it all. I even said some of it whenever I was a, a youth leader. 
Uh, I said some things I should not have said. Uh, I've done that a lot. But um, you, you've got, you've got, you've got to break down those walls and help them because when a parent says, my child is better because they are a part of that youth ministry. Now, now you're on to something. When, when they are seeing a difference in them at home because of them being under your leadership, great things are happening. That is the goal. Just having a great youth service is not enough. It's, it's equipping for life. I just want to throw this in there about um, junior hires. We would go to those group, they group, uh, group ministries used to have youth workers. That were the big thing back in our day. And so we would go to those things to learn. But one thing that I learned there has stuck with me my, the rest of my life. And it really even helped me when I was raising my own children. But they were talking about how whenever a, a kid uh, gets to be about 12 years old, um, around somewhere around in there when their hormone hormones start kicking in and uh, they start going through puberty and all this kind of stuff. Up until that point, their learning has been like on an incline, a steady incline. They get to this age, 12 to 14 age, everything starts kicking in and you think, you know, I've got the greatest kid. This is the greatest kid. And all of a sudden they plateau. It's like a stair step. They'll be going up, then they plateau, and you think, oh, no, they're brain damaged. What has happened? This kid, I thought it was great. They're crazy. They've gone nuts. What's happened to this child? Okay, and then all of a sudden, they take a, 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 a leap up, and, and they just exhibit such maturity. And you think, oh, it's taking. Everything I have taught them is coming to fruition. This is awesome. And you ride that wave, and then without warning, it changes again. And you think, oh, my goodness, we're back to the brain damaged child that I didn't, you know. And so this goes on in a stair-step manner for a while. And then it's like they level out again, and their learning and the maturity level starts this smooth incline. And they said that this process is so painful for the junior high years that Many times, and they said, if you will, if you try to think back to your own junior high years, usually people cannot remember over five events that happened during those years. Because the same chemical that kicks in when a woman has a baby that helps her forget the pain and gives her strength to do it again and have more than one child, that that same thing kicks in with junior hires because that mental anguish is so painful. And I, I have seen a lot of junior high ministries trying to teach the kids, like, you know that. Uh, you, should, you should know that. Uh, you shouldn't be that way. And they'll, they'll put them down, or they'll get on to them all the time, or they will berate them all the time, or they will push them up too high because they've exhibited this major maturity boost, push, growth spurt and then all of a sudden they disappoint them because they you know they go off on the brain damage tangent so the key for junior high ministry and the key for raising junior hires is to remember that that child who has been a perfect child and then they have their 12th birthday and you wonder who in the world they are now it is just a process and whenever they 
level out and they come usually around 14 or 15 when they come into those years that's when you can start throwing the response more responsibility on them um uh make giving them more um out front ministries for them to be an example because they have come through that turbulent stair step time i think the problem lies in the fact that we as parents and as youth workers go with society's recommendation that that turbulent season lasts till they're 19 or 20 or 21. And what has happened is, is by the time they get to be 19 or 20 or 21, we have solidified a mindset in them that they can't do anything and that they don't have responsibility and that they are worthless or whatever it is. Society, I'm not talking about you guys as youth pastors, I'm talking about what society has done to them. We have a prime opportunity in the church to let them be, let them have their stair-step growth spurts. But whenever you see that they're coming out of that, then it's time to start pouring into them, giving them responsibility. That is that prime fertile time where they will really, really, really mature and grow. So I wanted to, that was a huge help to me even as a parent. Youth Ministry fam, thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Rush Student Ministry Podcast. We drop a new episode every Monday, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. You can also leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. That actually helps us a ton, so we thank you in advance for leaving a rating and a review. Hey, if you're on Facebook and Instagram, link up with us. We'd love to connect. Our handle is the same for both. It's at Rush Students. You won't miss any details, any inspirations, any resources that we post. We would love to see you there on social media. Hey, thank you for joining. Thank you for tuning in. We love you. We believe in you. Everything we do is for the youth. Keep up the good work. And we'll see you next time on the Rush Student Ministry Podcast.